This episode of the podcast contains topics of religion, divorce, and the death penalty. Please be advised. recording it's way too ai for me this is waiting for seconds the interview podcast where we meet people and ask them who they are and why they are i'm shan miller and i'm here with my co-host Mal- malcolm out kelt i said it correct this you've time. done this like so many times i don't and today we will be talking with benjamin hoffman go ahead and introduce yourself buddy hi i'm benjamin hoffman i'm from the beautiful state of washington I am currently um, a nursing major. I'm about to graduate in December, and I have two naughty cats. <laughs> you have two naughty cats? They they are cats through and through. Table <laughs> pushers and the whatnot. Um, the one likes to fight and will always bite <laughs> and has no love in his soul. And the other one is the most adorable, cuddly little cat. But, um, she will ruin your day in the worst kind of way sometimes. <laughs> that, that's fair. Truly. Babies. Yeah. I love uh, them, though. <laughs> so I met Ben, uh, back at Auburn. Uh, we went to school together for my three years that I was there. And I, I love him. He's a good dude. I didn't really get to know him until probably my junior senior year, but I knew uh, his fiance or his now fiance. Um, and then when they got together, just kind of got to know Ben a little bit more. And uh, over this past year, we've re- kind of connected back and forth. We played a little bit of D&D where I was the DM. And then I think back in June or something, I came out and visited you. We had really good pho and cider. Oh, dude, yes. Very good. It was so good. Come again. Malcolm, you can come also. Hey, I'd love to. I love Washington, man. That is a beautiful state. It is. It's the best state. Um, Well, I might have to fight you on that one. (laughs) aesthetically aesthetically speaking it is the best state you know that's yeah it's a good state it's a good state but only like the western half of it or western third of it yeah the other the other two-thirds is a desert i don't know desert can look good no not not no Not, Not that one. one. You know yeah. what? Fair. You know, it is it is nice though, because Eastern Washington does look better than most of the Midwest, especially in Nebraska. It, mm. it I believe it. I fully believe it. I've never yes. been to Nebraska, but it's not like people always say Nebraska is like flat, which it is. But you don't get it because when you drive through Nebraska, you go up hills like small hills, right? While driving. But like when you look 
across the field and let's say you're driving on top of the hill you are the hill so like everything still looks flat because you are on the hill there's no other hills you know what i mean it's all just kind of so, flat and boring even if it's not yeah I, even I, if even if you're going up and down hills it still looks like you're on a flat plane it doesn't matter uh-huh. I think I would just have to like uh, see it for myself because you, Malcolm, and I are all from a mountainous state. We well, are. yeah. I was about to say not Malcolm, but yes, you are because you're in Colorado. Colorado is very mountainous. <laughs> you Go. are like 4,000 feet where you're at. Oh, Colorado is flat everywhere else, though. Uh, yeah, we're kind of... Well, there's not much else, I would argue. Most <laughs> of the east side of Colorado is mountains. Yeah. Ah. Also, I hate your airport. Denver airport is the worst airport. It is the worst. Really? Can't it, can, it, it can burn. Fuck. I, I, I hate, I hate that airport. It's a great airport. I hate no. Seattle's airport, but I hate Denver's airport more. Denver's airport is the worst. Yeah, it I, is great. I'm going to be a Denver airport hater. I, I yeah, you're wrong. No. You need I mean, to it's a, more. Fucking, it's a big airport. It's nice. You do no. have the horse, though. The we demon do horse. have the horse. The creature. The beast. Denver it's airport actual. is just one straight line that never ends. <laughs> Jeez. It's the, it's the worst thing. I... Mm-mm. Lucifer. Well, we have Lucifer. Is that what his name is? Uh-huh. The creature of the night? Lucifer. And it's not even a it's not even a straight line. It's a big square kind of area. Well, uh okay, now that we're it. talking about like airports and uh cities and stuff, how do you feel about traveling? You a big travel Me? guy? Yeah. Um yeah. Uh you know what? I am not really. Um most of my traveling has been from Nebraska state to Washington state going back and forth for like three times a year. I've done some traveling where I've visited, I've gone to the Philippines. I've been in Canada. I've gone to New York and Florida and California, but not really the biggest travel person. I'm I'm going to ask is, are those places because of, uh, like school related activities or is was it just something you're doing on your own um those were all school related activities actually every single one of them except for california where i went to california to visit family who are all crazy um <laughs> they're still family though they yeah. are <laughs> um but um no i wouldn't say i'm the biggest traveler and probably won't really ever be at least for myself i'll probably never Mm. travel solely for myself like alone for myself in a sense sure no that makes sense you you would go with people or visit friends i mean that makes sense yeah 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 i'd say well to be honest my most the the, my upcoming trip is to greece that's going to be with my fiance for our honeymoon. We're going to take a cruise in Greece, which is going to be very exciting because for me, it will be 
not my first trip for like you know besides the school event but um it, it'll be fun and i'm excited for the aspect of like or i'm excited to travel with her i just love traveling with my fiance it makes everything so nice <laughs> it, make, it makes it easier when you could do it with the person you love most yes exactly hmm. yeah. interesting i think you're the first person we've had on who's really not a big uh big travel person yeah never never been one um my family has never had the means to really travel mm -hmm. so oh, okay. never never grew up with like traveling all that much um i'd you, say the hmm? you you just never had the desire either to really travel i'd say like in high school i had the desire to travel but um now now i'm like i'm my so there's always a desire to travel right it's always fun seeing new places but now at the top of my priority list is like getting married getting a nice paying job you know mm -hmm. starting a family you know so that those are the priorities i'm more excited about than yeah. traveling you know yeah setting so, up a stable comfortable life is more important than yeah more important doing shit elsewhere yeah, more important, more exciting. Like that's just where I am right now. But it's a very yeah. reasonable want. I mean, it, and it's it's good that you're like set on your goals and you're just slowly getting or uh, succeeding in your goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. It's um, I'm I'm almost there. Once I'm done with school, that's when the 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 um. That's when we're gonna start getting stuff done, like getting married. For me, getting married to my lovely fiance. Mm. Uh, you mentioned flying out to see your family. How close is your family? Are you? Uh, I mean, clearly you're in other states, so physically not that close. Um, yeah, I'd say me and my immediate family, so my two brothers and my mom and dad, are very close. I'd say closer than some families that I've. You know, seen, um, you know, um, interacted with. I'd say my family is very close. In, um, yeah, in regards. Interesting. Do you think that's just because? I mean, you mentioned you didn't have the means to fly a lot. I I know a lot of people who grew up poor get especially close to their family. Yeah, I'd say, you know, we were never, like, too poor. I think we were there at one point, but I was very young. I was too young to comprehend oh, yeah. what was going on. To me, I always just thought, this is just how everybody lives. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't like we were close to be on the streets. But, um, yeah, we we grew close. I, I'd say, like, a big part of what kept us to or brought us closer was um it was close proximity but also um both my mom and my dad um did try to be there for me and samuel at least early on mm. you know um and, and it and it does help that both my parents are still together you know, 
married and stuff, I'd say that's a big part of it. Um, just having like that, um, a good, uh, not a good balance, but with, uh, in my experience, usually um, families that stay together are like, let's say the mom and dad stay together, right? Mm-hmm. The family has a better balance. So being able to work through differences and stuff only brings the family closer and stuff. I think so, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So all around, you would say you've you've had a really good childhood. Um, yeah. Part, well, part, partly because your parents stayed together and your family was all super close. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I definitely have had a better childhood than most in in that regard. And I'm very thankful that I'm also close to both my, my both my brothers. Um, mm-hmm. Which, um, funny story, um, me and my little brother, right, we hated each other, and we always fight, right, because that's just what brothers do, and, um, can confirm, can confirm, and, um, we, we were begging my dad to put me and my little brother into different rooms, right, we were just begging, and my dad, you know, Sometimes he didn't have the best ideas, but this one time, call it divine intervention or something, but he had the bright idea of like, nope, you guys won't get separate rooms until you guys learn to love each other. And I count this as probably the number one reason why me and my little brother have such a good relationship. Because um, it forced us to, you know, learn to love each other but also just learn to live with each other you know there's no escape from him which forces us like well we can't fight all the time so why don't we just try to be nice to each other for once sure that's definitely not a uh a method i've heard of i haven't heard it either to be honest with you but um I I say it's the number one reason me and my little brother worked out the way we have. I think that makes a lot of sense, honestly. Like people at least so for language, people have said to me in the past that in wanting to learn a new language, one of the best ways to do it is just to fully immerse yourself in that language. Uh and say you're trying to learn Spanish, just start speaking Spanish and living around people who only speak Spanish and you will figure it out quicker. If you want to become close to someone, just always be close to them. Just live with them. Just live yeah. with them, and you're going to have to. Otherwise, life's going to suck. Yeah. Uh, and, and it also helped that, like, or it didn't help, but, like, you know, my little brother, he's my blood family, right? Yeah. So I cannot escape my blood family, no matter how much I try. Um, that they will always be um they will always be a part of me and i will always be a part of them you can't escape your own blood right Hmm. so if i can't escape samuel or my little brother um if i can't escape my little brother right yeah um then there's really no harm i'd say in keeping us in the same room because i can't escape him one way or another Mm -hmm. right so might as well 
you know, like Malcolm was saying, you know, might as well just engross yourself in, in, in just being around him and learning him. Cause that's, that's kind of what happened was I figured out my little brother. I figured out what makes him tick, what keeps him like, how to avoid fighting him in a sense, or how to avoid taking him off. So, you know, might as well engross myself in learning how to deal with my little brother, which worked out in the end. Cause now me and my little brother have a wonderful relationship. We're, we're two best friends in a sense. And he's my, you know, he's my best man to my wedding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I feel very blessed to be so close to him because I've, 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 um, I've interacted with people do, who do not have good sibling relationships. And it breaks my heart because one of my best relationships is with my little brother. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I'm really glad that you have that, uh, that awesome relationship with your brother. That's uh, something not every, every brother can say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel lucky too. You were talking about you can't escape your blood family. I want, I, I, I'd like you to go into that a little bit more for me because most of the people we've had on the podcast uh, have said like family is more than blood. But I, oh, I kind of okay. want to get your opinion on that. Is yes. it is it more than blood or is it like for you, it's just your brother or your whole family is like your best friend? All right. So in my personal opinion, you have two families, right? One is your blood family. These are the people. This is like your immediate family. I'm not talking about your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, right? Those sure. are your parents. That, those are your parents' blood family, right? And you can easily escape your grandparents or your aunts and uncles because they really have no sway over your life in a sense, right? But yeah. your, but like your brothers, your sisters, your mom and dad, right? They they are a part of you in a sense. They're your blood family, and you can't really escape who you are. Like that's that's your own blood in them, right? Or their blood's in you in a sense. If you get like a little bit like A and P and stuff. You can't escape them. They're always going to be a part of you. Now, whether you decide to interact with them, be a part of their lives, or have them be a part of your lives, that's totally like optional. You can like leave them completely and not have them be part of your life or be part of their lives, but they'll always be like they're always connected to you in a sense. They're always they're always going to be a part of you, some some form of you or some part of you, right? But the the second family um, <clears throat> is the family you choose, which oftentimes is the more important family or is the most important family because these are individuals you choose to be part of your life, right? So this is your choice, right? You choose whether they stay or not. And something's beautiful about it is because when you marry someone, right, you're choosing to start a new family with them. You're you're completely you're not completely leaving because as as I said before, your blood family is always going to be a part of you in some type of way, you know. But yeah. 
<clears throat> you yourself are starting your own family. You you are becoming, you know, a head of a household in a sense, or you know, you both are becoming heads of household. So, and then around that, you choose individuals that are a part of your family, in a sense, which is more powerful, I feel, because then you're making the conscious decision to love them, you know, regardless of your faults. Because with your blood family, you can, you can love them, right? But you have really no choice whether they're there or not. Like, they're always going to be a part of you, in a sense. So, like, yeah, that, that's my personal thought. And then I also have a quote for you guys. Um, so you guys know the ter- like the quote, uh, blood is thicker than water. Yeah. Right. So the actual co- quote is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which I agree with, right? Is that the blood of the covenant, i.e. those you choose to make a covenant with or those you choose to be part of your family, Mm-hmm. Right, that is thicker than the water of the womb, or your actual—not your actual family, but your, like your blood family, in a sense. Your birth family. Your yeah. birth family, right? The covenant that you make with your friends or your significant other is thicker than the water of the womb or your your birth family, in a sense. So I, I, I believe there's two families. If you have questions, please ask. There's two families, your your birth family, your womb, and your covenant. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I wonder, do you think that quote applies uh, similarly to a the concept of nature or nurture? Um, Which is to say, do you think that nature is uh, less thick, your womb is less thick than your blood, of the covenant, which is the people you choose and the people you immerse yourself in. You know, I, I personally believe nature and nurture are just two sides of the same coin, in a sense. I should say they're like they're holding hands, right? Yeah. I think everybody's born with a nature, right? But um, and that really dictates a lot of like who your core self is, in a sense. Mm. But your nurture really affects on who you become as a person. Um, so, like, your nature are your tendencies, your, like, let's say, your personality, in a sense. That is your nature. Your nurture is what makes you into a person. So, if you take two individuals and put them in two different situations, right? The, and let's say they're, the, the, they're let's actually say they're the same person through and through, same nature, right? When you put them in two or same, yeah, same nature, but you put them in two different places, like two different environments where their nurture is different, then they're still going to be, they're going to be different people in a sense. Uh-huh. They're going to still have the same tendencies in a sense, right? But their ethics, their morals, the the thing that makes them them, or since or like the real the big defining features are going to be different because of their nature or their nurture. I mean, they might be physically unidentifiable, 
but once you start talking to them, once you start understanding them, they're clearly yeah. different. They're going to be clearly, clearly different. Because you can have, let's say you have the same person who, you know, is a non-violent person, right? Like, that is their nature. They do not like to fight at all, right? But you put one in an environment where fighting is, they don't need a fight, and you put one in a situation where fighting is needed, right? The one where fighting is needed, that character, that person is still not going to like what he does, but he's not. He's going to fight, you know, because that's what he needs to do to survive. That's his nature that he's in. Or that's the nurture he's in, right? Uh, but the guy who does... Hmm? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but the guy with the who is nurtured in a non-violent environment, he's going to appall fighting. He's just going to detest it. He can't stomach it, in a sense. And these are, like, two very big extremes, but that's kind of, like, mm-hmm. the point I'm trying to get across is nature and nurture are holding hands in a sense they're they're very close but you you must figure out how to differentiate them or you'll get confused and think then you'll then you'll think like this person is an awful person and you won't regard maybe his nurture was different than mine maybe he has similar maybe he feels the same way about me about certain things but maybe his upbringing has taught him a different way, you know. So you, yeah. you got to you got to distinguish the two. Like like you were saying, they they're two sides of the same coin, and you essentially you can't have one without the other. Yes, exactly. So, I'd love to ask you. The word nature comes up in a lot of different ways a lot of like philosophical understanding and also like a nature versus nurture and also like a i don't know creationist evolutionist kind of concept i want to ask you if you believe that do you believe in a human nature an overarching human nature or do you think every individual has their own specific nature um i'll, I'll say this i think i think it's just um I'm more of an optimist, right? This is my okay. nature, is I am an optimist. So, obviously, um, that's affecting me and my opinion here. But I, I do believe that everybody has a a good nature in some capacity. Like, everybody underlying has a good nature, but the nurture can change that. So a person can think they're doing the right thing, even though they're committing atrocities, because the nature of their background. So that's what I mean. Like, I think everybody's born good, and they desire to do good, right? But, you know, their nurture will define what good is for them. They can totally have a, based on their nature, you know, they could have a, um, they can think good is, you know, working at the food bank, giving food to the homeless, right? That's nature defining their, what's good to them, right? Or their nature can make them be a narcissistic person, where the only good in the world is them, and they must do good by them, you know? That's their nurture influencing 
their nature. Hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. That like, ultimately, people are good and are trying to do what they consider to be good, but that good is different because they were raised differently and their worlds are from different perspectives. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going for here. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hmm. You just got me thinking, Ben. <laughs> I, hey, that's that's what I'm here for. Right? I mean, I'm that, here. That's the general goal of of interviewing people is to to maybe share similar thoughts. Yeah. So, what are you thinking about, Shannon? Like, what what has sparked the like your engine to start turning? I'm I'm still thinking about like the 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 two sides of the same coin with um uh, with maybe humanity cuz hmm it's just it's just the upbringing that society has been placed uh, like you were saying earlier the people in a non-violent uh situation and they'll they'll turn out non-violent uh if they if they even liked fighting and then the there's the opposite where it's the person who doesn't like fighting and they they have to fight because they're in that environment and so with people being inherently good or inherently evil it it all it it all depends on the result does that make sense yeah it it does which you know you bring up a good point which is the reason why i believe everybody's good right because if everybody was inherently evil right if their nature was evil then no true good things would happen because there's no way in I guess you could say, well, they're doing it for, like, salvation. They think they're going to get salvation out of it, right, if they do these good things. That facade only lasts for so long. Eventually, they will burn out, right? No one can keep up a good facade for 80, 90, 100 years, you know what I mean? Right. So I have to believe, me personally, I have to believe that everybody's inherently good, but their nurture is what changes them it's it's the the environment or the the people around them not necessarily the people that are family but just people exactly they're the what yeah their environment what is what are they being surrounded by so this might be kind of a impossible question to answer but i always i i want to pick your brain anyway what do you think makes humans innate I don't, so, um, me personally, I am a Christian, right? Mm. Um, I am Seventh-day Adventist. So, obviously, um, my belief is that there is a divine, intelligent creator, right, who has made everything, right? So, I believe that 
it is and and you know in the bible it says we were made in his image right so i believe that we are inherently good because of him um it is him who makes us good right we're not he he made us good he made us like him good he yes he made us like him good but due to our environment we sin we make mistakes we do terrible things you know you know so that is what i believe on the topic of like what makes us good i believe it's i believe it's god i believe we were made in his image um we were made we are we are good because we are made by him from him in his image But only the nurture is what the nurture, the nurture of our society is what turns us or, or which uh, sorry, it turns us sinful. Yes. Um I'll take an example from the Bible here. We'll start from the beginning with Eve, right? Mm-hmm. Her nature is good, right? She's she's been in communion with God. She is a good person, right? Mm. She's a beautiful, wonderful person, right? But as soon as she is in contact with the devil, the serpent, right? The mm-hmm. serpent is making a nature or nurture is nurturing <coughs> Eve to eat the apple with promises of this and that and so on, right? Eve's nature is still to do good. She eats the apple because she thinks. It will be good for her. She thinks she's doing good, in a sense. You know what I mean? But she wasn't influenced to do that beforehand. But her, she was nurtured by the serpent, and she chose that, in a sense, right? I, that makes a lot of sense. I've, I don't know that I've ever actually heard of that idea that Eve was the first case of nature and nurture. Because she was nurtured to do evil or yeah. make and, this terrible mistake. And then you can you can keep on going with it. You can take other Bible characters, mm. anything like that. Let, let's we'll go to the next person. Adam, right? Oh Adam, yeah. Adam, his nature was to do good, but nurtured by Eve, who's nurtured by the serpent, he decided to choose her over over God could he in that sense, chose what would be good for him. You know, so he's still choosing what's good, but the nurture changed him from what's good for the Lord to what's good for me, being with Eve. And then... He made a similar choice. Mm-hmm. What's and then we can the go... Lord is having both... My, me and my brother alive, but what's good for me is having his farms, I think? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, people, you know, people might wonder why, what changed there? Because they were both nurtured, we think, you know, we don't know, but people, we could speculate they were both nurtured the same, in a sense, right? But still, his nature was to do good, but, you know, his nature could have also had some other tendencies that we don't know. So when he made that decision to do what's good, you know, his other 
I'm not saying everybody has one singular nature, you know, but I'm saying overall their nature is to do good. And then the nurture changes that. Where is that good directed? Mm. Then he makes the decision to do what's good for me. Kills his brother because that defeats the competition for me and God. Hmm. Yeah. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Um, David, he's my favorite Bible character. While he was herding sheep, his nature and his nurture were very much still aligned with God. He becomes a king or becomes a warrior and then a king. And through the nurture of the people around him, you know, it influences him to kill the one of his best friends, one of his generals, to be with his wife. You know, his nature influenced, or his nurture influenced, you know. Influenced him to do these selfish actions. Yes. Because they're good for him. They're good for him. And then he realizes that, and then he repents, and he's like, please, Lord. And then, you know, the constant nurture from God, and then nurture from the other people around you, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me that all, all of, all of this also still comes down to like your choice and your influence, uh, or sorry, not, not your influence, but the influences of everything around you, which is Mm -hmm. nurture, which is what we're talking about. Hmm. And like making that, making that choice. That's weird to me. Do you think that there's any, do you think that there is any way, uh, with humans being a creation of God, that any humans can be innately evil? Ooh. Um, innately evil. You know, um, I don't think people are born evil. I think they could be made evil. Okay. Through through nurture, even even people who are, you know, psychopaths, serial killers. You know, I don't think they were born a killer. You know, but through some form of twisted nurture, you know, also colliding with their nature. You know, through through a sinful world, some things. Yeah, you know, I think he was still born. Let's say. Ted Bundy, right? As a baby, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy yeah. was a baby, right? You know what I mean? And he yeah. was still just as fine a baby as any other. He's a baby. He's he don't a... pay taxes. He's he don't exactly. But his the nurture that was around him. And we don't know the specifics of his nurture. He became an evil person. I will not deny. It. Ted Bundy is evil. Deeply. He's an hmm. evil, evil man. And deserve what he got. But as a baby, he was born inherently good. But through his nurture, he became an evil man. Hmm. Yeah. Is there any way that a person can, you know, manage their own nurture? And, like, keep themselves in check to their... Keep themselves within the grace of God by maintaining their nature. 
despite um, bad factors. The way they do that is they get out of where they are. They have to surround themselves by good, like a good environment. And I know that's like sounds impossible in a lot of cases, but you know, in those situations, you have to make choices. You got to make the choices that you can make to surround yourself by good people mm-hmm. in good environment. You know, there are still choices to be made. You know, you can't escape completely a bad environment. Sometimes I will admit that. But you can make choices in that bad environment to make it a little better, to surround yourself by good, nurturing things. Yeah. I mean, because trying to even separate yourself from from the world is almost impossible. I I, I personally wouldn't recommend it, because then you forget everything. I'd say this, if you if you try to separate yourself completely from the world, and I mean like a hundred percent, you for you 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 lose your connection to everybody. Right. And one of our missions as humans, you know, as children of God, is to, you know, preach his good word, show him the Lord's mercy. But you can't do that if you're disconnected from the world, because our mission is the world. If you try to cut everything off from the world, then you're not doing the mission. It might make you a little bit closer to God in one way, but God made you so that you can love the earth and exist with people. Yeah, exactly. He he made you to, your mission is the world. That's what he made you for. You can't cut yourself off from the world because then you lose sight of the mission. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I've got nothing more to say. That's <laughs> that's that, that was a lot. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I have one more small question. Yeah, go for it. Uh, about this concept. And that is and this isn't something that uh kind of a weird question. Where do you stand on death penalty? Um, oh boy. That, is, um, that was, that's a question, Malcolm. So what I, I'm asking it because, uh, it, if people are innately good and they're only influenced to do evil by their environment, should we simply only try to reform them or are there some crimes that are so unforgivable? You know what? I, uh, all right. Um, I'll break this up into some parts. First things first. Um, let's say someone does an incomparable, like a terrible crime, right? Let's mm-hmm. say it's Ted. We'll go back to the Ted Bundy yeah. thing, okay. right? Ted Bundy was so far into his depravity, right? He was doing to his nature what was good for him. And through that, I don't think any amount of environment, you know, different nurturing could have changed him because his nature was already set. He had chosen what his nature was going to be, and his nature was going to be doing what's good for me, in a sense. So again, remember, our nature is to do good. Our nurture defines what that good is. Mm -hmm. And 
Ted Bundy had decided what his nurture was going to do, his nurture was going to find doing good by doing good by me. All right. So I think Ted Bundy was so far into that that he could not change. His nature was set. You know. So when it comes to the death penalty, I have two opinions. One is I do agree that people do deserve the death penalty. My second thing is I don't think the state should have that much power Mm. or any form of something should have that much power to to take a life like that in a sense. Does it depend on the just the the situation or the person? See, in my mind, right, Ted Bundy deserves the death penalty. A lot of people deserve the death penalty. But the thing that's keeping me away from saying instated is because then you're giving some form of the government the power to take a civilian's life. So maybe it's better to just say some people deserve death and remove the concept of that government entirely and let it be on the people. Exactly. So like, let's say, let's say Ted Bundy's in prison, right? I'm a firm believer in prison justice. Firm believer. You know, you, you put a predator in prison, he gets killed by the inmates, right? Hmm. Yeah, I'm a firm believer by that because what power do they hold? They don't hold the power of the state, which, you know, government is supposed to protect the rights of its citizens, right? Right. If they use that power, I know it's in, in a sense to protect us from him, right? Let's say take money again, but that's still giving them the power to kill one of hmm. its citizens. And you can't, when it comes to the government and stuff like that, you can't let them have, you can't let them have an inch or they take a mile, you know? Hmm. Their goal is to protect all its citizens, protect their rights and stuff like that. And though it might be looked upon like the state is protecting its citizens from Ted Bundy, they're still taking the life of one of its citizens. Yeah. And that judgment is not theirs to make. That judgment is not theirs to make. Their job is to protect us, not to end the life in the name of protecting. So in, in your in your opinion though, who who does have that power? Um, I know that there's the natural uh, thing of inmate justice, but maybe it, it, in, in the terms of who has the real power to judge an individual from my background, the way I was raised and what I believe, the only person that really has that power is, the, is God to make that judgment call on, you know, him going to damnation in a sense. But also, if someone shot Ted Bundy on the street, no tears would be lost. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because 
um, it's not the government who made that decision. You know, someone made the call that they would, you know, face the law in that sense to do that. Yeah. Um, so no tears would be lost if he was just killed randomly. But I, 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 I can't. I can't agree that the state should enact the death penalty just because you give them an inch, they take a mile. So you were talking about earlier that just kind of how you've grown up uh, or where you've grown up. And I, I want to ask, how has that place affected you? Uh, I mean, now you're now you're living in Nebraska. Um, has has that changed you how basically just how has the place you've been affected you um well i'd say probably the biggest thing that's affected or the biggest thing that the place where i live that has affected me in a sense is um i just know i want to own land and buy build a house on it really that's the main thing because <laughs> Um, the people around me, you know, that were surrounded by me or surrounded me, those are the real things that influenced me on how I think and what I believe and stuff like that and how I think the world should work and does work, you know. But in terms of, like, where I lived, the only thing that's really influenced me from where I live is I want to buy land, I want to build a house on it, and I really like rainy, overcast weather. And I think Washington weather is the best weather in any state. And I hate the wind. Those are those are the real, those are the biggest things that have been influenced by where I live. Mm. You don't like the wind? Well... I, you you don't know the wind, Shannon. You don't know the wind. <laughs> I don't know the wind. Wait till what? you're out here. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, wait till you're out here where it's like thirty miles an hour every day, just blowing in your face, where it cuts to Jeez. your bone. No, thank you. <laughs> I was gonna say, you don't know the wind. <laughs> the wind of change. Thank no. you, scorpions. I've got one last question for you, and it's kind of an unorthodox one. Uh, we also do episodes where we interview two people at once in a couple. Uh, and one of the questions that we often ask them are, do you have any experience with the place you grew up changing the way that you romance or experience one another's love? And I'd like to ask you that. Do you and your significant other have any significant differences? in the way that you have grown up that change your relationship? Yeah, I'd say, so me and my fiance both grew up with parents who stayed together, who are still together, right? So came from a very, you know, good household, both of us, both our parents mm -hmm. love each other and stuff like that. However, um, I, I'll speak on my experience with my parents and their relationship because I I can't really speak for my fiance in this, but um, my parents definitely had some of their problems in how they communicate and how they show affection and how they interact with each other, right? 
Mm. There's definitely problems there. I'm not going to paint it like they were perfect. They weren't, you know, and the relationship wasn't perfect, but they still, you know, kept the covenant of till death to his part. You know, so those problems that were, were seen in my parents' relationship, right? I took those to my relationship with my fiance and they eventually were exposed and it was very harmful for both of us. And, I, um, you know, because those problems hurt, especially when you're in a, such a, a deep relationship, you know, in such a new relationship. Though me and my fiance, when these problems surfaced, we had only been dating for about four years. But, you know, in terms of relationships, that's pretty short. Like we, by the time we got to four years, marriage was definitely like being more of a serious conversation but nothing was set in stone no one no ring was bought quite yet you know what i mean mm-hmm. so when those problems were exposed it was harmful and that's when i had to realize that i can't take the problems that my parents thought i have to be better than them when it comes to my relationship because then i started thinking about the way i am now is the way i'm going to be later in a sense you know and i want my kids to experience a strong household with two loving parents who love each other and show them a beautiful example of what marriage should be so i had to change and you know re redefine how i how like how this relate or how the relationship was to me i had to take away all of my baggage that i got from that i got from my parents relationship and discard it so i was completely you know no baggage going into the future of this relationship so we could like form it the way we wanted it to to best exemplify what a healthy, loving relationship was. Well, I'm glad you have got to that point and are able to have something healthy. Not a lot yeah, of people it's... can say that they have have had a super healthy marriage or uh-huh. something like that. You know, I, I truly believe that the only reason me and my fiance have gotten to this point was because both our parents loved each other and showed us what a relationship could be under marriage, you know. Um, Cause all right, so me and my fiance started dating end of sophomore year of high school, right? And as we all know, teenagers don't know who they are or what they are in a sense, right? No, no. no they don't. Teenagers think they know everything, but they know nothing, <laughs> quite literally. So you know, going through those very formative years you know dating you know it's a very volatile time that's that's when everything changes on a just based on your mood in a sense Mm -hmm. um so i i would say that really the only reason me me and my fiance made it through that time was because of the good example set before us we knew what the what it should look like Mm -hmm. you know so we try to 
um, in, a, in a way, play grown-ups in the sense of trying to copy what our copy what our parents were showing us, you know? So that's why I can say, like, granted, it was a lot of hard work, and we, put, we both put work in, but we only were able to put all that work in because we knew what what a loving relationship looked like. And not everybody is privileged to have that. Not everybody has that opportunity, you know, to know what that looks like. They have to figure it out the hard way, which, you know, prayers out to them. That is, that is very difficult. And when they figure it out, like my hat, you know, hats off for you, man, for figuring that out on your own. Yeah, it's definitely... It's definitely a tough thing to to do, and the more the more I think about marriage, the more it kind of I don't know kind of freaks me out a little bit because there's so it, there's so much that comes with it. There is, there is. Um, I love. I've been loving this explanation of what marriage is. When you get married, you leave your family to start your own. You are no longer, in a sense tied to your family you're no longer dependent upon your mom and dad you become your own independent person with your significant other so which is beautiful that's i I find that beautiful that's that you leave your family to start your own family you know start your own blood family but but you start your own blood family but you choose who your wife is going to be or your husband who's going to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you start a blood family, but your partner, your equal, your, the person that's with you is your choice. That's kind of a romantic way to say it. Yeah, it it really is. is. It's so, it's so cool <laughs> that, that your 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 partner you know the person who you have to have that person in order to start your blood family right mm. that person is your choice family they are your choice and they choose you too which is the beautiful thing because as i said the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb your covenant to your significant other is stronger than the water of the womb you you know so your choice is stronger and you chose them and they chose you which is the beautiful thing about marriage and families and starting a family well maybe talking about your significant other a, a little bit more um or sorry a little bit less who do you think has built your character the most oh okay i wrote a lot for this one so I'm going to scroll down and find it. All right, all right. There are three people who have built my character the most. They, these are the three individuals, right? One is my mom, my dad, and my fiance. Um, these are the three people who have molded me into the person I am. Um, we'll start with my mom. My mom helped me a lot through school. She, um, here we go. My mom helped me a lot through school. We both have struggled in school, right? We both. So her her helping me, her showing me what I need to do 
in order just to get by helped me a lot because those lessons that were taught during the times that I was struggling in school was one, how to be a good student, but also what leads up to that is hard work, never giving up, you know, just it taught me how to pursue what I want, what I what I need to do in a sense. So she she taught me so much of that, but also she taught me, you know, at a very early age in life, like love. You know, my mom is a very loving person. So she shot, she taught me those initial things of like love. Like what is love? How to love. Or not not really like, you know, like like you know, love between family members and stuff like that. Not significant other love or loving your children. Those are two different things. But like, you know, love amongst others. She taught me that. And then my dad. Now, me and my dad have a lot of differences, and I think it's just, I think it's a universal experience as boys grow up to be teenagers, to grow up to be men, you know, they will always find contention with their father in one way or another. That's just kind of how the story goes. And I don't think it's, it can be a bad story, but I don't think it's a bad thing that boys grow up to be men and have contentions with their father it really just depends on how you outlet that you know contention because they can be constructive things if there is a good environment around you to do that where you have different ideas and eventually you guys will reach the level of equals in the sense that you both are men and both are independent you know so there's that. But, you know, contention can be a good or a bad thing in this stage. But I think it's like a universal story where men or boys become men and have contention with their father. But even though that's the case with me and my dad, sometimes, um, my dad taught me how to be a man. And more like the traditional way of being a man. Um, I don't agree with all that he says about what being a man is, but like working hard, providing for your family, you know, giving up yourself for others, being a caring, you know, maternal, yeah. Is it paternal or maternal? Paternal. Being a, being a, being a caring paternal figure. You know, he, he, my dad really taught me how to be a man in a sense, like a true man, a good man. You know, he laid that foundation for me, which I am forever grateful because, you know, you need that. As a, as a boy becoming a man, you need the foundation laid or you're going to turn out to be something that's not a man. You're, you're still going to be a boy in your 30s. And you need that good nurture from uh, somebody strong emotionally yeah, so- and mentally. Yes, which also, like, which is why, you know, even though, like I said, my mom and dad's relationship wasn't always the healthiest at times, it still was better than having one of my parents gone or them being apart. Because then the household, then the household is split. And I'm not saying, like... Oh, I'm so much better because both my parents are together. That is false, you know. 
But I'm saying, like, when it comes to the nurture, especially at those formative years, it is very important for both your parents to be, it's, it's very important. You know, if you get that opportunity where you're both of your parents are together in a loving relationship, it it does so much for the nurture. It does so much good for the nurture. You know. And I'm trying to say this in a way that makes it so it it doesn't sound like I'm better just because both my parents were together. Because that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say like the nurture is it does wonders when both parents are together in a household mm. that love each other. Yeah. Um, and then the third person who has influenced me and made me the person I am today is my fiance. She's the one that has taught me how to love. You know, and this time I'm talking about the significant other kind of love, how to properly love someone. Yeah. To give up of yourself for someone. That's the kind of love she taught me and helped me grow into. And then she also, so my dad laid me the foundation of being a man, but she has been patient with me as I've grown into a man and has helped guided me and shown me this is what my man needs to do. You know what I mean? So she has helped, you know, given me pointers and helped me grow into a man. With love, caring, and patience, that's what um, that's what that's what she has contributed to me. And she did this all during high school and into college where we've been long distance. It has been a very volatile part of our lives, but she has still been loving and caring and patient with me as I've grown into a man. Hmm. Yeah. And that that's that's very sweet. Well, uh, I think that's probably about the time to wrap up then. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on, Ben. We really appreciate yeah. it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you, Malcolm. Thank you, Shannon. Um, there's a lot of fun learning about your perspective of of things, and it's uh, there's been a lot of things that I don't think we've heard before. Mm-hmm. That's uh, good. I hope I hope they. You know, make the cut. <laughs> oh, it, it makes it'll make the cut. It'll make it'll, the cut. That's for sure. Okay, um, good. Thank you to Nadia Diaz for our podcast cover art. Uh, she is an amazing, amazing artist and person. Go check her out at her Instagram at Arthead Creations. No spaces, no capitals. Uh, the link will be down in the description. Go, go get art from her. Go ask her to do art for you um she's a wonderful artist she her art is spectacular thank you ben yes listen to ben everybody go check her out go check her out uh and also thank you to jensen crawl who made our intro and outro for the podcast uh he's working on his musical tea time i need to text him about that i uh I, I know he's still working on it. I don't know if it's like what percentage of it is done, but he's, he's released a demo. I think it's been on here for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It's called knocking on doors for his musical. And you can check that out just about anywhere. Ben actually uh, was in band with Jensen and he knows firsthand how 
good of a uh, musician Jensen is. Yes, Jensen, talented person. Talented person with music in all aspects. And did he, did hmm? he play trumpet with you? Was, I think he was more of a French horn. Ah, that's it. Never mind. Yes, but Jensen, talented guy, funny guy, good guy. He he's amazing. So definitely check out Jensen and support him. You know. Heck yeah. Um, Heck yeah. I think that's it. Thank you everybody for listening. Oh, wait. Uh send us questions to our yes. email. Uh waiting four seconds. It'll be waiting the number four seconds at gmail.com. Uh we want them. We want them so we can ask people like Ben and others these questions, or maybe we can answer ourselves. Who knows? Yeah, why not both? <laughs> so, all right, we will see you guys next time. On the, on the shed. shed. <laughs>